Hello everybody, Hobbs Q here. I just wanted to say a couple of words this morning before you get to the rest of the episode. So the episode today is a solo episode by Taya, where she goes through her uh, one of her decks, one of the decks that I love playing against the most. So I'm just here because I wanted to give encourage anybody that's going to be in Vegas. So this is going to be coming out right before Vegas Wednesday. So tomorrow is I'm recording it right now on Tuesday. And I wanted to let people know that Sunday at Vegas there will be a mental health panel focused on creating mental health content in the face of mental health struggles. I'm going to be moderating this panel uh, with panelist is going to be Shivam Bhatt, um, Chase Carroll, or Mana Curves as I think most of us know them, who has just been one of our favorite just hosts of all time, and then Tron is bad or Ryan Nicholas. So we will be there in the community room at 11 a.m. giving that panel. And I hope to have the audio from that just as we did for the one in Minneapolis. But I just want to encourage anybody that's out there, if they're able to come, if you're going to be in Vegas. And if you're not, we're going to do our best to bring you it as, as well as we can. So I hope you enjoy Taya's episode today. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to the Goblin Lore Podcast. This is Taya, your host for tonight. Uh, Alex and Hobbs are both off this evening. Uh, you can find me at Taya Transcends on social media. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. Um, I'd like to thank the Grinding Coffee Company before we go any further. Uh, they're a minority-owned LBGTQ-run company that provides wonderful assortment of coffee products uh, and always supports our causes when we do fundraisers and other events. So thank you for always being there to help us out with those. Um, even though I'm the only one here, I'm still going to start today with a question. And it's going to be um, pertinent for this week coming up is, is uh, what are you most looking forward to coming out of something to be revealed or discussed at Vegas. And for me, it's uh, more Doctor Who spoilers, definitely. Uh, there's probably, I, I'm sure they're going to do some early pre, you know, previews for Ixalan and some other stuff, but um, Doctor Who is a theme of this uh, event. They're going to have the TARDIS there and do a photo booth with a special TARDIS promo, which I wish I could get my paws on. Um, and it's, there should be a lot of previews coming this weekend for the Doctor Who set, and I am so excited to see those come out. But since it's just me today, um, we're going to be taking a different route. We're going to um, take a look at one of my decks. And this is brought up because we got some new art today for an upcoming secret layer um, tied to Hasbro's internal con, Pulse Con. Um, of a secret layer with some littlest walkers and the art um, for the preview sure looks like our little goblin artificer friend Doretti. And I cannot wait to get a cute version of this card because the Doretti um, deck has been my one, it's my second oldest commander deck that is still together. It is my oldest that is continually updated. I don't really update my sliver deck at all. Um, because people hate playing against it, they hate slivers, so I just tend to leave that one alone. Um, my Dreddy deck, on the other hand, uh, it's mostly what I consider complete, but occasionally there's something new released that makes the cut. Um, Brothers War added a few things to it, um, so some really good artifacts on that set, but I will discuss those as I get more into it. 
But I first want to talk about kind of the idea of the deck itself and what the plan is. Obviously, Doretti is the commander. Uh, for those who aren't aware, he's uh, three and a red for a three loyalty Planeswalker, Doretti. Uh, his plus two is discard up to two cards and draw that many cards. And this, um, you know, doesn't seem like much of an ability, but it actually fuels this whole deck. Uh I want to be cycling through my cards as fast as possible, getting them into the graveyard, and um, getting new ones into my hand. And that part of that goes because his minus two ability is sacrifice an artifact to bring an artifact from your graveyard back into the battlefield. So you get to um, the things you discard, you get to bring back into play, uh, which has led to some really ridiculous uh, plays like. Um, having a worm coil engine on turn two, uh, just out of sheer luck. And I have an artist proof. The the um, lead for my deck is an artist proof Duretti uh, with a worm coil engine sketched on the back of it because that's probably my most frequent reanimation target. As I talked about a little bit during our favorite cards episode last week, um, his minus ten, which takes a lot to get there, uh, in its Something that I've only pulled off maybe twice in the, what are we looking at here now, nine years that Doretti has been a card, is you get an emblem with whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So that makes all of your artifacts cycle themselves constantly from, um, from play back onto the battlefield. Uh, it is a ridiculous... Um, Ability combined with a deck that's already sacrificing its artifacts for value and recurring them, uh, having a way to do that repeatedly is absolutely bonkers. Uh, like I said, I've only pulled it off twice, maybe, because usually I want to be using as minus two for uh, value to get things onto the battlefield to begin with. But um, I have gotten him out early and had him go unchallenged and gotten his ultimate off, but he's likely going to take some attacks, especially if you're near, near in on that minus 10. Uh, so, kind of this started off as a pre-con, and there's still, I'm looking at my list now, and there's still some lands from the original pre-con that I don't know why, are, and this deck is my, probably my most tuned deck, and it still has some... Uh, it still has some things like a Forgotten Cave, which has cycling on it. So Forgotten Cave is fine. Smoldering Crater is also a cycling land. That's fine. Um, so, I mean, there's they're okay that they're still in there, but I could definitely do better than some tap lands at this point, probably with cycling. I don't have any way to recur the cycling. But otherwise, um, you know, this deck still has some of its pre-con roots. Um, you know, Mere Battlesphere and Penavis are in there, some of the bigger beaters. The, uh, um, Scrap Mastery is obviously still in there, uh, as one of the finishers of the deck. Uh, and I'll get into it a little bit forward. But what I designed this deck to do, uh, and do one thing very well is I want to cast Rocket Launcher. I want to make a ridiculous amount of mana, and I want to kill everybody at the table with Rocket Launcher. For those of you not familiar with Rocket Launcher, because it's an awful card, it is a um, four mana 
artifact from Antiquities, uh, which was also reprinted into Revised. It says, two, do one damage to any target. May not be used until it begins... Uh, rocket Launcher may not be used until it begins the turn on your side. If used, Rocket Launcher is destroyed at the end of turn. Uh, and then the flavor text is, what these devices lack in subtlety, they made up in strength. Uh, and the art, uh, really cool Pete Venner's art has uh, what looks like a... I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be an orc, but it ends up looking more like a Ninja Turtle firing a Rocket Launcher. Uh, real cool uh, are a, a pretty terrible card with its timing restriction, and then it's two mana to one damage. But, you know, you get infinite mana, and this thing can just kill everybody, and that's that's kind of the game plan with this deck. Um, there's ways to, you know, you have multiple ways to get it out of the graveyard at instant speed. There's a Veldalkanori, so you can cast it at instant speed. So there's ways to get it into play right before your turn starts. And then you can play out the final piece of your infinite mana combo and blow everybody up. Uh, so that's that's kind of the goal. It's done this thing a handful of times over the years that I've had this deck together. Most of the other times it's just won by uh, running people over with gigantic creatures that keep coming back from the graveyard. Uh, which is the alternate win plan for this deck, win con. Um, so going back, let's talk about our boy Doretti a little bit. Uh, he hasn't gotten a huge amount of story. We basically got we got no story from him when um, Commander 14 launched. We know that he's from Fiora, uh, the plane for conspiracy. He's dressed in the Italian Renaissance style. Where he um, he's in a mechanical wheelchair, which is really cool. It's nice to have some disability representation on, uh, you know, a face card like this. And then we get uh, we get a some story appearance in another card of his in Conspiracy Two, uh, where he shows up with a red black version that sadly cannot be my commander, so I cannot run a deck with both the Reddies in it. Uh, without having another commander. I've always been saddened by that fact that they had to make his second card red-black uh, without the you can be your, uh, can be your commander text. So uh, I've been just on the mono red one the entire time. But he got some story. Uh, and on the return, he basically he got disabled by being blown up by his former... Um, Competitor slash boss uh, Mizio, I believe, is the name of the character, the uh, other artificer, uh, and they stole all Duretti's work and took credit for it. And Duretti wasn't really cool with that plan. And when he came back, Fiora, he teamed up with Grenzo, and they got some revenge. Uh, ransacked his, um, ransacked the their lab, uh, took their stuff. Um, and tossed him out the window. Uh, got a little murdery uh, picking up the black. Uh, some lessons from Grenzo, although Grenzo lost black in that set, so who knows what was going on. And that kind of is what we have for story on Duretti. He hasn't been seen since Conspiracy 2. He hasn't shown up in any of the uh, during any of the large wars. We didn't see him in War of the Spark. We didn't see him in uh, Frexia. Uh, all will be one or march the machine. 
So, um, yeah, we have no idea what Doretti's up to, but now we've got some preview art coming. And I'm happy to see my uh, my favorite little goblin tinkerer uh, back in action, uh, even if it's just a reprint of one of his existing cards. But it better be the red card. I don't want, I, I really hope they don't reprint the red black one. But, anyways, back to the deck tech. Uh, so, I'm going to split this up and kind of talk about the different um, packages in the deck, like I did with my uh, Villainous Wealth deck. Um, and then I'm going to kind of put everything together and, again, paint the big picture of this is all about making a lot of mana and killing people uh, with a big um, spell, uh, rocket launcher preferably, or just beating them to death with giant machines because he is a goblin artificer and uh, goblin artificers love making giant death machines. Well, I'm going to start with kind of one of the big things that this has going forward. It's, it's a mono red deck, so obviously the ramp package is going to be almost entirely artifacts. And I have... I have all of them in this deck. Uh, this is one of my more expensive decks that's running. Um, obviously, Basalt Monolith for the uh, uh, infinite mana combo with Rings of Braithearth. Uh, Grim Monolith. Uh, Jeweled Lotus, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault. Soul Ring. Uh, Mind Stone. So most of the common ones, Arcane Signet, obviously, even though you don't really need that in a mono red deck, it is still a two mana mana rock, so I will take it. Um, and it's running all artifact, obviously, because I have other ways I can abuse those, like any of the tapped artifacts, like Mana Vault, I can happily use once and then sacrifice them to Dreddy's ability or to one of the Goblin Brothers abilities that'll uh, get to in a minute. Um, Jeweled Lotus is pretty great because I can recur it in this deck and it always helps make uh, recasting Dreddy a little cheaper because he will draw hate. And uh, it's actually a lot of times people are doing you a favor if you have him at one and they kill him because it saves you a turn of plus twoing him before you can minus two him again. And this is a pretty big mana deck, so recasting him usually isn't a problem. So I, um, I I secretly smile when people waste attacks on him when he's at one loyalty. Uh, most of the time, that is exactly what I want them to do uh, and send him back to the command zone so I can minus two him again on my next turn. The uh, um, So that's, that's it for the ramp package. It is, it's all the expensive ramp. Uh, you know, anything that I can untap with things like uh, Unwinding Clock, Voltaic Key uh, are definitely in there. Manifold Key. Um, and sorry, there's one more untapper. Uh, where is the last untapper? Clock of Omens. That's the other one. Uh, tap to untapped artifacts. Control to untap an artifact. That lets you tap all your utility artifacts. Uh, and creatures or creature tokens to untap your mana rocks and tap them again. Uh, so I have a, a large uh, untapping component as well to get a, multiple uses out of there. And then because it, um, most of the deck is artifacts, I have a Crackland Ironworks to turn those into more mana, and it's also a sack outlet to get things into my graveyard where I want it. 
Um, if there's a broken artifact that makes mana, chances are that it is in this deck. And that is the mana suite. Um, card draw, uh, mono red, this, and even more so than mono red, this is largely mono artifacts flashing red. Uh, card draw is a little on the lighter side. There's been a lot of good card, um, impulsive card draw printed in red over the last few years, and I could probably swap some of these out to uh, improve that. But on the uh, artifact side, um, you know, I I'm kind of like trading post is one of my card advantage uh, pieces. Uh, which also is a recurring piece, recurral piece, but that is uh, really useful. Um, but it's running the usual set of Faithless Looting, uh, Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Misfortune, uh, Reforge the Soul, uh, and Jessica's Will, Shatter Skull Smashing, uh, a pretty good variety of uh, a th thrill of possibility. And... Uh, Valakut's Awakening. So I have a good selection of card draw cards. Um, not as many as I probably should have in a deck like this, but your commander has that ability, the, the plus two, which lets you um, cycle two cards. And that has been, I think that makes up for it in velocity in a lot of ways. Uh, Gamble being your one tutor. Uh, well, there is the tutor on uh, Goblin Engineer as well. Uh, for uh, which lets you find any artifact and put it in your graveyard, but uh, and gamble will also help find those combo pieces. And even if you have to discard them to the effect, uh, getting them right back into play is not a problem in this deck. Uh, so things like Dothy Voidwalkers will completely ruin your day. So there's a lot of ways to deal with problems like that. Uh, you know we have. Um, all is Dust is our main board sweeper. Blasphemous Act, of course, are a secondary good board sweeper. But All is Dust generally leaves our board completely alone, other than maybe Duretti, and sometimes we'll have a, a utility creature out that's red. But uh, generally, it is a one-sided board wipe in our favor. Uh, Chaos Warp, of course, is in here. Comet Storm is also one of the finishers, but it can be used to just deal with some problem creatures. Uh, Pyroblast is a dual-purpose card in here. It can either destroy a blue permanent or counter a blue spell. The number of times that I have countered uh, either a Cyclonic Rift or another card that uh, was just about to wreck my day in this deck uh, with a surprise Pyroblast is more than I can count, and I always love the look on the Blue Mage's face when uh, I've just completely blown out their plans in my mono-red deck. Uh, I also run Tribble's Trickery in this deck for another uh, more open counter spell, uh, and I, I love the randomness of that spell, too. That's uh, one of my red staples that I put in a lot of my decks. For those not familiar with this, it's counter-target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Controller mills that many cards and exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name from that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost and put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library in a random order. So you trade whatever spell you counter for a random spell off their deck. A, a random different spell, which in Commander, of course, it's going to be a different spell. 
But uh, that card has saved my bacon so many times. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's going to pull off their win con and they don't look at the mono, mono red deck as possibly having a counter, uh, surprise, uh, I've got one for you. And then, um, so that's most of the removal. Um, then there's a lot of removal on creatures as well. Since we're doing the recurl route, we're running Duplicant, which exiles a creature on ETB. Uh, Meteor Golem uh, kills a creature on ETB. Cityscape Leveler uh, destroys a permanent on when cast or when it attacks, uh, non-land permanent. Uh, that is one of the recent additions to this deck. Uh, card is just fantastic. Uh, another recent addition, um, Portal to Phyrexia takes care of uh, each opponent, sacrifices three creatures. That's a good way to take care of problem. Uh, Spine of Isha destroys uh, any permanent when it ETBs uh, for seven mana, and when it is put in a graveyard, you put it right back into your hand. So it is very easy to cycle that in this deck with how much mana this deck can make, and I cast this two or three times a turn sometimes. Uh, which will be devastating to your opponent's uh, boards, especially if you have the Delkin Ori out and you're casting this at instant speed, or if you uh, use Goblin Welder uh, to get it back into play at instant speed, uh, which is true of any of these artifact-based removal sources. So there's um, a lot of single-target removal in the two board wipes, as I mentioned, and a lot of it being on artifacts is recurrable by our commander uh, or, uh, you know, can be cast uh, or not cast, but played without paying its mana costs, uh, which gets around the big beefy costs on things like uh, Spine of Isha, Portal of Phyrexia, and uh, Cityscape Leveler. So we don't have to pay for those things. Um, the next package I want to talk about is kind of our, our reanimation, um, beside, uh, Dreddy himself. And this is where we have, um, we have a few things. Uh, Auspacious Reshapers is, a a human artificer for, uh, red and two. It's a three, three. Uh, tap and sacrifice an artifact, reveal cards on top of your library and field field an artifact, put that onto the battlefield, the rest of the bottom in a random order, and it deals damage equal to the number of cards revealed this way. Uh, this deck is about 50% artifacts, so you're generally going to have a hit within a few cards, uh, and that'll make it really easy to activate, and you're, you're going to trade something like a mirror token or a uh, wellspring, which you want in the graveyard anyways, for one of your big expensive artifacts, a lot of times uh, it's a great trade-off for a little bit of life. Uh, so, um, Felden of the Third Path is one of the originals from this commander set. Uh, it's uh, two red and one for a two-three that you can pay two and a red and put a token on a battlefield as a copy of a creature card in your graveyard, except it's an artifact and uh, gains haste, sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, notably, this can be done at instant speed, and it does not exile the creature, so you can keep doing this. Uh, both are things that Gavin said should have been um, fixed, or shouldn't have happened on this card. He said it should have been uh, at Sarcer speed and should have exiled the target. I don't know. I really like Felden the way he is. Um, 
He is a fantastic uh, commander in his own right. In my deck, he um, he's mostly here to make extra copies of things like Wormcoil Engine for me, or Goblin uh, Engineers or Goblin Welders. Uh, I mean, any of my good artifact creatures. Um, oh, card draw, I miss Sandstone Oracle, which is a uh, 4-4 flyer for 7, which when it ETBs, you draw cards equal to the difference between your hand and target opponent's hand, uh, which it often is a draw 6 or 7 for me because this deck runs uh, Hellbent quite a bit uh, or close to it. Uh, scrap Trawler's in here because every good artifact has it. There's no infinite Scrap Trawler combos in this deck, um, but it's just here for value recursion. It gets back, uh, you know, whenever another artifact dies, you get a artifact with lesser um, mana value uh, to your hand from your graveyard. So um, I'm sacking artifacts anyways, and that gets me some um, good artifacts back. Uh, you know, Goblin Engineer and Goblin Welder, I've mentioned them a few times. These are two of the best cards in this deck. Uh, Goblin Engineer, when it's uh, a 1 and a red for a 1-2, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for any artifact and put it into your graveyard, then shuffle. Uh, red and tap, sacrifice an artifact, return an artifact with card uh, mana value 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this one only finds your small artifact. But a lot of times you're sacking your smaller artifacts to get your big artifacts back. Uh, and that just that entomb ability that it comes with at the beginning is uh, a lot more valuable than you'd think. It's one of the only ways to tutor in this deck. So it'll find any artifact, even one bigger than it can get back itself, and let you um, bring that in, the, get that into the graveyard right where um, any of these other uh, recurl engines or Felden, or sorry, Duretti can... Uh, dig them right back up. Uh, and then Goblin Welder is his uh, older brother. Um, it's a single red for a 1-1, one, one, uh, which lets you, uh, you choose an artifact, a player controls an artifact in their graveyard, uh, and if you um, swap the places, essentially. Uh, notably, this works on your opponent's stuff, too, so you can uh, swap one of their key artifacts for some junk they have in their graveyard. Uh, people really don't expect that to happen. And this one, again, can be done at instant speed, so you can hold it up for exactly the right time to do it. Uh, if you're ever playing against this deck and I have a Goblin Welder out, that should be your number one target to kill. Uh, I just um, put it straight up there. Um, this deck is light on ways to recur non-artifact creatures, so there's a good chance it's not coming back if you kill it. Uh, so it's probably going to stay dead unless I have a Microsynth Lattice, which makes everything artifacts. Um, but again, uh, there's so many tricksy things you can do with this card, uh, and you can do them all at instant speed, which, uh, makes him one of my favorite goblins, uh, in the whole game. Uh, and let's see here, any more recurl stuff to talk about? Um... Training Post, obviously, is a good recurl card as well. I've talked about it. Uh, it's got a lot of options. It does a lot of things. Uh, it's useful for plenty of them. Uh, 
Buried Rune is in here as a one-time recurl effect. Uh, let's you uh, you sacrifice a land. You can sacrifice the return artifact from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, I don't want to sacrifice my lands if I can avoid it. This deck actually runs a little light on lands. It's only running 34. Um, that's just because it has such a high deck velocity that uh, and most of my ramp is artifacts. Um, so I can usually cycle through. Uh, this deck runs fine on just five or six lands uh, until somebody Vandal Blasts. That's another thing you need to have that Thrill of Possibility, or not the Thrill, the Tibble's Trickery handy for. Uh, Vandal Blast will absolutely wreck your day uh, unless you're holding um, Scrap Mastery, in which case you can laugh. And uh, next turn is going to be really amusing. Uh, Scrap Mastery was printed in this deck. Uh, it's got some awesome art of Doretti holding up some kind of um, metal device. And uh, it's living death for artifacts. So it's each player exiles all artifacts from their graveyard, then sacrifices all artifacts they control, and then returns all the exiled cards to the battlefield. So that brings back, it gets rid of all artifacts in play and brings back everybody's artifacts uh, from the graveyard. So this is great combined with like Crack Clown Ironworks because you can make a ton of mana sacking all your artifacts first and then just bringing them all right back. Uh, but this is also your main uh, recovery from a board wipe in this deck. Uh, and then there's board wipe protection like Darksteel Forge, your counter spells. Um, and uh, just hopefully putting out too many targets for people to deal with. The uh, fun part about this deck is that a lot of times people ask what's the threat, and there's no real good answer at the time because there's so much stuff that is a threat. Uh, then, like I mentioned, the, the secondary win con is just beating people to death with big creatures. And this, this package, uh, again, we have Cityscape Leveler, which is an 8-8 Trample. We have uh, Combustible Gear Hulk, which is card draw, and a 6-6 First Striker. Um, Mere Battlesphere, classic. Uh, it's one of the original cards in this deck. 4-7 uh, that comes in with four little mirrors uh, that you can tap when you attack to do direct damage, and you can recur this guy a few times and make a whole bunch of those little mirrors or use those mirrors for uh, sacking the other things. Uh, it's really a great card in this deck. Uh, Penavis is the same thing. Um, it, it's a similar thing. It, it was in the deck to start with. It's a 5-5 five, five for 7 that can make uh, remove counters to make 1-1 one, one flyers, uh, which you can sack or... Um, you can sack to put counters back on it, or you can sack them to other things. Um, Phyrexian Triniform is a 9-9 uh, that when it dies, you create a 3-3-3 three, three, three Golems. So that one breaks down into more tokens. There's a lot of things that die and do stuff in here. Uh, Rune Grinder is another card, uh, advantage card. It's a 7-4 with Menace, uh, and when it dies, each player may discard their hand and draw seven, so everyone can wheel. The fun thing about this card is it has uh, Mountain Cycling 2 on it, so I can get it into the graveyard really easy for a reanimation target uh, and fill my hand right back up. Uh, Thopter Assembly is probably 
should get replaced at this point, but it's it's I love this little card. It's a fun, it's a six mana for a five five flying. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control no Thopters other than Thopter Assembly, you bounce it to your hand and make five um, Thopter tokens. Uh, recasting it in this deck is not a problem. Uh, and it, it's a big beater in the air that makes small beaters uh, or sacrifice fodder. Uh, you know, it's probably outclassed by modern artifacts, but uh, it still sticks around. I like the uh, promo art. Um, Next time somebody prints, or next time Wizards prints a ridiculous artifact, this one might be on the chopping block, though I feel bad for it. Uh, and then we have Triplicate Titan, which is a 9-mana 9-9 with Flying, Vigilance, and Trample. That when it dies gives you a 3-3 with Flying, a 3-3 with Vigilance, and a 3-3 with Trample. It's another one that I recur a lot, uh, make multiples of, uh, and also get all the little tokens with it. Uh, and then, of course, the classic Worm Coil Engine, 6 mana, 6 6 with Death Touch and Lifelink. And when it dies, you get a 3 3 with Lifelink and a 3 3 with Death Touch. Uh, that is just, uh, you know, one of the best value cards in the game, as far as I'm concerned. It made my list of best cards ever uh, that we talked about last week. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of big beaters in this deck, a lot of expensive cards, uh, mana value wise. Um, and there's, uh, so that's kind of what's going on. Uh, only Planeswalker in this deck besides Doretti is Ugin Ineffable because it makes your colorless spells cost two less and also has a plus one that makes jump blockers. Uh, it is also a removal spell that'll destroy colored uh, permanents, uh, but generally you're playing it for the mana discount and the ability to make jump blockers uh, that draw you a card when they die. Uh, any other special cards I want to, or special mentions I would like to discuss here? Uh, I would just like to say, if you have Unwinding Clock and Voldalkan Orrery, this deck, you know, you, things are going really good with you. Everything is disgusting because you can just flash out all your artifacts at instant speed, keep on tapping all your mana rocks, uh, doing it again. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of untapping. Uh, the last, uh, I didn't mention Sahili's Directive, which is a lot of fun. It is a X red, red, red with Improvise. Uh, reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put any number of artifact cards with uh, mana value X or less from among them onto the battlefield and put all the cards revealed this way that weren't put on the battlefield into your graveyard. So... Um, once again, it's a big mana deck. It's really easy to get a large X value here, especially with the improvise and all the tokens you tend to have running around. Uh, and you can improvise a whole bunch of artifacts off the top of your deck. Great, um, a, a great end game card. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's pretty much the deck tech. Uh, we'll have the deck link in the notes. Um, we did give a, a slightly lower powered version of this deck away in a charity event um, about a, almost two years ago now, I think. Uh, and I'm so happy that one of our uh, listeners got to uh, take that home and uh, I, you know, enjoy it. The, uh, so some of the major differences were like that one didn't have a, a Mana Crypt or a Wheel of Fortune in it. Some of the really expensive cards, but the rest of the deck was almost identical. It was just missing some of those uh, 
you know, $50 plus pieces. It, it was still a hell of a deck. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of this one. I, I should go through and just bling out the rest of this deck. It shouldn't be too expensive to um, put bling copies in where I can. I do have, like, my... Uh, I have some alternate forms of bling where I can get it. Like, my Basalt Monolith is a... It's a beta Basalt Monolith, but it's really beat up. But that's kind of some nice bling. Um and there's uh some other cards like that that is uh that I've managed to pick up but otherwise this deck is it's not my most uh blinged out deck it's running like they're still running a lot of the original cards um from the set which I could at least put a foil version in the uh and uh yeah, so that's that's my deck, my Duretti deck. I really love this deck. I only bring it out when we're playing, uh, when uh, we're playing, you know, higher power decks. It's not a it's not a CEDH deck, but it you know obviously has all the fast mana. It's a very very competitive casual deck. Um, it does have a little bit of trouble closing out games because there's no real reliable way to tutor up the uh win con which is a three card combo uh minimum three cards uh if you play at sorcery speed and you can keep your rocket launcher around all the time um but you need the the monolith the rocket launcher and the rings uh at a minimum to pull that off so uh it's not a reliable combo deck you're usually gonna win through a your big beefy beaters uh but the options there and i try to win that way as much as i can uh, because i think it's hilarious when you kill people with a absolutely terrible artifact uh with some amazing art and flavor text so yeah uh let me know in the uh in on twitter or blue sky if you have any questions about the deck or um, what you think about it, uh, or you can uh, join our Discord and let me know there. We always talk about our new episodes. It's a great little community. Uh, anybody can join. You don't need to be a patron of the show. Uh, and that's Duretti, uh, Duretti Deck Tech. Uh, he's. This will be a deck that I always keep together and will always uh, work on updating as updates come it's hard to beat my little uh, goblin artificer, and I'm happy to have him in my deck lineup. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a great time in Vegas if you're going. I'm going to be spending the weekend with my partner at a board game retreat where a bunch of us geeks are going to... Um, we rented a, a resort building uh, out on the ocean here in Washington State, and we're going to get together and play board games all weekend. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, but I will be missing Vegas because of just how they happen to line up time-wise. Uh, so I'm going to miss seeing you all in Vegas, and I'm going to have some serious FOMO uh, from not being there this week. But uh, Hobbs was going to insert a little something at the start of this episode about Vegas, so hopefully he has some words to share about that. Uh, thank you, and have a great time if you're in Vegas. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ, 
Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlordpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>